What is up everyone? It is Quinn here back with another video and today I'm going to be going through three must draft running backs in redraft fantasy football and since I just went through my uh, top 12 running backs like two days ago, go check that one out also if you haven't seen it. But since I just talked about all those guys, I'm going to be focusing on running backs that are outside the top 12 in terms of uh, ADP and I'm going to be using underdog fantasy football just to kind of get some rough ADP estimates. In terms of like the other sites, not super locked in at this point in the offseason. We've got people doing you know drafts on underdog all day long. So I think those ADPs are pretty solid at this point. And then I want to know your thoughts. Do you guys agree that these running backs are really solid values at their price? Let me know why or why not down below in the comment section. And if you enjoy, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Going to be talking about some uh, must-draft wide receivers tomorrow. So make sure you guys uh, come back for that one. But let's jump into my first must-draft running back, and it is going to be J.K. Dobbins. Right now, he is valued as the running back 18, which is a, a late fifth-round pick on underdog. And like totally honest, last year, the full-season production for J.K. Dobbins was not great. If you drafted him, you were probably pretty disappointed. He missed the first two games of the season, still recovering from that ACL that he tore before the 2021 season. So a very serious injury there. Then he plays weeks three through week six, and he only had one game in those four where he had over 10 carries, so he was still very limited, really wasn't breaking out. I believe he had one big time game where he scored like two touchdowns, but other than that, there was not a lot going on with J.K. Dobbins. Then he suffers another knee injury, needs uh, surgery again, which then keeps him out until week 14. But after he came back in week 14, he was very, very productive in the last five games of the season. That's four in the regular season, one in the playoffs. He rushed for 459 yards on 70 carries. That is 6.6 yards per carry. So very, very efficient. And he was putting up that kind of production while clearly not being 100%. If we remember... There were like clips going around of him like breaking off a run. He's like burning defenders and it looks like the dude is limping. Like he's just that much of a freak athlete, but he was clearly not 100%. And he also had only one game out of those five with over a 50% snap share. So he was still kind of limited. The workload was okay, but this was not like 100% healthy J.K. Dobbins being unleashed. So he was maybe going at 75% and still giving you some really strong production later on in the season. So now heading into 2023, I'm expecting Dobbins to be fully healthy. He's now two years removed from that uh, torn ACL. And I also think there's just the upside that he could be a much larger role in this offense. In the NFL, we've really only seen J.K. Dobbins be used as this like early down grinder, pure runner, giving him somewhere in like the 12 to 16 carry per game range. And then also kind of splitting a backfield um, with the former Ravens offensive coordinator. He liked getting two running backs involved, which is all right. But when you already have Lamar Jackson in there vulturing carries, it's just not great for Dobbins to be in this split with, you know, honestly, just straight up lesser running backs. Like a healthy J.K. Dobbins is not comparing to Gus Edwards, and they really shouldn't be in a solid split here. So now with a new offensive coordinator with uh, Todd Munkin coming in, I think this Dobbins role could switch up. And like I said, he's only been this guy who's been utilized on the ground. I think he could actually see an increased workload on the ground. Like I mentioned, maybe he's not splitting work with a guy like Gus Edwards. Obviously, Gus Edwards is going to have a few carries here and there, but not a very firm split. 
And then I also think we could see J.K. Dobbins unlocked as a pass catcher. I feel like in this ADP, that's just like not factored in at all because Dobbins has pretty much been a non-factor in the NFL as a pass catcher. In 23 games, he only has a 25 receptions. And typically, if a guy's not catching passes through his first few years in the NFL, we don't really want to bank on him doing that later in his career. But I feel like this was very kind of scheme specific because we know from his college production, Dobbins can most definitely catch passes. He had 22 or more receptions in all three of his college seasons. I mean, catching over 20 passes as a freshman, that's legit. So I feel like Dobbins at this point is kind of being drafted very close to his floor. Like a healthy J.K. Dobbins in that old offense where he's getting 14, 15 efficient carries per game with the touchdown upside. I kind of feel like that's worthy of like a late fifth round pick. But now you throw in that extra upside of maybe he has a larger workload. Maybe he's very involved as a pass catcher. We know they're probably going to be throwing the ball more uh, under Todd Munkin. I think Dobbins is a really, really nice pick here. And I think an increase in workload could honestly get him up to like mid to high end RB1 upside. And you're getting him as a mid tier RB2 option. Now, my second uh, must-draft running back is going to be James Conner. He's going off the board as the running back 26, which is a, a late round seven pick. And I've talked about Conner a few times this offseason, but more as a, a dynasty trade target. So now I kind of want to shift my focus to him in a redraft. If the Cardinals do not add another running back before the season, I really feel like Conner is going to be locked into giving you RB1 production at a running back three price tag with him going off the board as the running back 26. And I feel like we're kind of in a spot where people are assuming no one else is going to come in. Like, I don't think if nothing happens, like, I don't think his ADP is going to skyrocket heading into week one. And just looking at James Conner's two seasons with the Cardinals, they have proven that they are 100% comfortable just force feeding this man the ball. In year one, remember, he was kind of in a split with Chase Edmonds, but he was used very heavily on the ground and then also on the goal line. That was like a big touchdown season for him. And then when we saw Chase Edmonds go down with injury, I mean, he just turned into a full-on three-down workhorse, was just dominating the opportunity share in that backfield. Then in 2022, it kind of looked like he was fading early on in the season. He was not looking like a good uh, redraft pick, but he was banged up. He was dealing with injuries, so they weren't just unloading that you know workhorse workload onto him. But then he gets healthy. Last seven games of the season last year, James Conner averaged 7.4 carries per game, 4.9 targets per game, and that led him to average 19.8 PPR points per game over that last stretch. I understand this offense is going to be terrible. With Kyler Murray out, I mean, they're probably competing. Maybe they may have the best shot to be the uh, you know number one pick next year. But Kyler missed six of those seven games I just referenced where James Conner averaged 19.8 points per game. Like in bad offenses, if you just feed the running backs the ball, especially if you're targeting them, they can still give you very, very solid fantasy production. You don't need to be on an elite offense. Obviously, to get that like peak, peak, peak ceiling, you'd probably prefer it. But for a guy who's getting drafted as a running back 26, James Conner can totally deliver a top 10 running back season, you know, on this terrible offense. Keontae Ingram and Corey Clement are currently the running back two and running back three on the step chart. Like, I just don't see those guys stealing work from James Conner. And if that sticks, I really feel like James Conner's just locked in here as a really, really strong value moving forward. And maybe, you know, you want to wait a little bit throughout the offseason just to make sure he clears that competition. Because like I did say, I don't think 
if you know, like nothing happens, like I don't think his value is going to shoot up. I don't think he's then going to be RB19, RB20. I feel like he's kind of going to stay in this spot. I think the only thing is like he might move down, you know, if they bring in some other uh, competition for him. Now, my third and final must draft running back is going to be Javante Williams. He's being drafted as the running back 28, which is a, a round eight pick. And I understand like of the three running backs here, this is definitely the most like risk reward pick. I kind of just feel like it's the right one to make, especially at this point in the draft. Like if he was going around six, like I'm cool. But if Javante can get healthy, and I understand that is a decent if, but if he can get healthy, he's going to be an absolute smash at this ADP. Now, on the other hand, he could end up in like that J.K. Dobbins cycle from last year, um, which would you know not be great at this ADP. But I just think the swing you can take here with him going in the eighth round is worth it. These are some of the other players like going in the same range. If he doesn't hit, I don't think it's going to kill your fantasy roster. So these are some of the other players going around him. Evan Ingram, Zay Flowers, James Cook, Michael Thomas, Cortland Sutton. Like, we've got some solid players here, but, like, is Zay Flowers going to win you your uh, fantasy league as a rookie? I don't think so. Is James Cook, maybe, Michael Thomas, Cortland Sutton? Like, these kind of feel like, not dart throws, but these don't feel like crazy high upside players, whereas I think Javante does have that crazy upside, and I just think the ceiling just does not even compare to these other guys going in the same range. At this point in the offseason, it does not look like a week one return is reasonable for Javante. I'm not delusional. I'm not going to come out here, you know, and say he's going to be healthy week one balling out. I don't think that's the case. But this is kind of like a realistic timeline I've laid out in my head. Let me know if you think I'm crazy here, if you've seen different reports. But say Javante even misses like the first four games of the season, misses like the first quarter. And then you can probably pencil him into being kind of limited, not feeling super great, maybe not trusting his body for the next four, right? We're sitting at midseason now. And if he can get close to 100% by midseason, I do think he could be a running back one in the uh, back half of the uh, NFL season. Even with the Broncos kind of understanding Javante Williams' injury here, the only competition they brought in was Samaje Pirine. And like, Samaje Piran's a decent running back. Like, he's probably a, a good backup, but he's definitely not a world beater, and he's definitely not going to be competing with a healthy Javante Williams. We also saw over the offseason, the Broncos made significant upgrades to their offensive line. I would have to imagine, after Sean Payton watched kind of, you know, Russ have a lot of pressure on him throwing the ball last year and didn't look great, I would have to imagine that Sean Payton wants to take some pressure off him, establish the running game, and like I said like earlier, there is risk with the injury. I don't love the idea of betting on someone who's coming back from like a severe knee injury. This wasn't just like a clean ACL tear like Brees Hall. Like this was much worse. This was like the J.K. Dobbins where I think you just blow out like pretty much everything in that knee. But it's just that everything is set up so nicely. I'll just take the swing on his like recovery going well. And honestly, if you like disagree with this, you think Javante is cooked for the rest of the season or, you know, he's not going to be 100% till late, late on, then honestly, you could just pivot, go the other way, draft Samaje Piran as your uh, running back 37. Because I feel like for the first quarter, maybe even half of the season, he could be leading this backfield, which I think at running back 37, like you're getting a steal there at that price. I think in general, like both of these guys are probably solid values. And I think one of them is going to end up looking like a steal. If Javante gets healthy, he's going to be a steal. If Javante can't get healthy, I think Piran's pretty much leading a backfield behind a strong offensive line now and could be 
maybe a league winner, honestly, for you. So I guess I kind of just talked myself into uh, both of these guys as must draft options. But let me know which guy would you prefer, uh, you know, at their current prices. But that is going to uh, wrap it up for my must drafts. We had J.K. Dobbins, James Conner, and Javante Williams with a little Samaj P. Ryan thrown in there. What do you guys think? If you enjoyed, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. I'll be going through my uh, three must draft wide receivers tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. But thank you all again, and I will see you in the next one.